As we just heard, uh, this is a very, very familiar Christmas story. Um, we've probably heard it uh, many, many times before. Um, but what I find amazing in this story, uh, first of all, is the way that God has orchestrated and does orchestrate history uh, according to his will. Uh, we hear about Caesar Augustus, who is displaying his power by ordering a census to be taken. But in reality, what God is doing is displaying his power. Uh, Mary and Joseph, as you know, they live up in Nazareth. But the prophecy is that Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. They don't travel like we do these days. So how is God going to get Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem? Well, he works in the life of Caesar Augustus. He makes him do a census. And everyone has to go to their hometown to register. What do you know it? Joseph's hometown is Bethlehem. That's where Jesus is born. God uses the census to set the events of Jesus' birth in motion. And they get to Bethlehem and what happens? There's no room. There is no room. Imagine the irony of this. The king of kings, the one who has created the universe, the immense space that we have, there's no space for him. There's no room. Oh, the great humiliation that Christ willingly endured on our behalf. And the irony doesn't end there. The birth goes almost completely unnoticed until angels announce it to shepherds. No one was there to announce the birth of this child. If you remember this past year, we had a very special birth in this world. It was the royal baby. Uh, There was a royal announcer who may or may have not been official. Um, We had that a couple of times this year with a a sign language interpreter and and, uh, maybe a fake royal announcer. But there was someone there to announce the birth of that child. And we were waiting with bated breath. I remember the the child being born. Um, But that is not how it was with the King of Kings. It took angels appearing to shepherds, declaring good news of great joy that a Savior has been born and He is Christ the Lord. And then the sky filled up with a chorus of angels singing the greatest song that has ever been sung. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men on whom His favor rests. And as we heard the shepherds go, they find the baby, and it's exactly, exactly as the angels have told them. And as they leave, they are glorifying God, and they are telling everyone about the Savior who has been born. But then Mary, precious, sweet, 12 to 14 year old Mary, uh, treasures up all of these things, and she ponders them in her heart. Um, These incredible things that are happening to her. And what she does is she cradles this baby Jesus in her arm. Much like Sharon is cradling my daughter right now. Um, Knowing that somehow, in some way, the baby that she is holding is the Son. Is the Son of God. That her baby somehow is Emmanuel. 
It is God with us. We talked just this past Sunday about how Mary and Elizabeth were able to encourage one another because they were uh, experiencing very similar things. They understood what the other person was going through. And we have, as brothers and sisters in Christ, the ability to encourage one another. We are family. We can rejoice with those who rejoice. We can weep with those who weep. Um, But we have something greater than brothers and sisters. We have Emmanuel. We have God with us. Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16 since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, even more so than other believers, Jesus knows us because He became like us. And God loved us so much that He was willing to become like us. 1 John 4, verse 10 says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that God loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, if God loves us so much that He was willing to become like us, what can separate us from His love? Uh, One of my favorite chapters in all the Bible is Romans chapter 8, where Paul writes, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it's written, for your sakes we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, or depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now this Christmas, whether it's a time of rejoicing or whether it's a time of great sorrow, know the love of God that is so deep and so so vast and so strong that nothing, nothing can separate us from it. And finally, be encouraged by this. As incredible as it is that Christ came at Christmas, that He came and He was a baby, 
know that He is also coming again. As surely as He came 2,000 years ago as a baby in Bethlehem, He is coming again to make all things new. Just like the first time, angels will herald His coming. But His return will not go by unnoticed. Everyone will see and be amazed. John gives us a picture of what it's going to be like. He had the privilege of walking with Christ here on the earth during his time of ministry. And he also had the privilege at the end of his life to see a vision of what it would be like when Christ returned. And this is what he saw. This is Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have all passed away. You see, God came to dwell with us once, but when He returns, we will dwell with Him forever. He will be our God and we will be His people. Everything wrong in this world will be made right. All of our tears will be wiped away. There will be no more pain, no more sorrow, only the message that the angels bring, that there will be good news of great joy. John concludes the vision that he saw with these words from Revelation 22, verses 1-5. through Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. It was bright as crystal. It was flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations." No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. There will be no more need of light or lamp or of the sun, for the Lord Their God will be their light. And they will reign with Him forever and ever. Just having a conversation with Bill before the service uh, about the end and how, in a sense, we don't want the end to come. But when we think of this, I want it now. Uh, At Christmas... May we not only look back on what God did in the birth of His Son, but may we also look forward to what we know will be accomplished. 
that Christ will return, that everything will be made new, that we will worship God and we will reign with Him forever and ever and ever. John closes his vision with these words. Jesus, the one who testifies to these things, says, Surely I am coming. Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, what can we say? Um, But come, Lord Jesus, come. We thank You for the time that You came as a baby in Bethlehem. When You were born to the Virgin Mary. We thank You for the life that You lived. The humiliation that You suffered on our behalf. For the majesty that You displayed. We thank You for the sacrifice that You made in dying for us on the cross. The fact that You rose again three days later and that You are now sitting at the right hand of God. That You are in Your proper place. And we look forward and we long for the day, Lord, when You will come back. We pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. And it's in Your name alone that we pray. Amen.